and welcome to Social Migraine. This is the bonus episode for my mental health series. It is a question and answer session with Ms. Shama Shah. She's a professional therapist who has been practicing for nine years and I'm so, so grateful that she agreed to do this with me. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this because this conversation is really insightful and you are going to pick something up from it, no doubt. Uh, let me start by saying good evening, ma'am. Thank you so much for doing this with me and helping me spread awareness on this particular topic, especially at a time when it's so important. Sure, Rosita. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Shama, Shama Shah. Uh, I'm currently practicing as a senior therapist uh, and a sort of a manager with the CureFit uh, team, uh, providing therapy for adults and adults. Uh, adolescents as well as uh, younger children 14 and above i've been in practice for about eight nine years now and my work has uh, been across a few states of gujarat maharashtra and i currently now practice out of bangalore wow yeah thank you so much for taking time out of your day for doing this glad to do this so basically i put a question sticker on my instagram because these days that's how we reach people Mm -hmm. And I asked them, what are their questions on this particular topic? Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of questions and I found the questions really interesting. And I thought rather than, you know, researching by myself and then answering, Mm -hmm. like I say and I answer, I'd rather ask a professional because that way you get a better, more concise answer than me just reading notes of the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll begin asking the questions. Sure. The first question, and this this was the most asked question. Mm-hmm. Why does the generation above us, that is speaking as a youth of the country, mm-hmm. consider mental illnesses to be non-existent? And similarly, why is the topic of mental health stigmatized in so many parts of the world? Okay, so we're diving right in here. <laughs> um, that is true. I think this is one of the most uh, sort of concerning questions to be talking about. Why is it so stigmatized, I feel? Because... Uh, for the longest of times now, we have very sadly uh, considered mental illness as a problematic weakness that needs to only be dealt with in terms of a treatment perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since it is medicalized so much, uh, there's so much of a clinical element that has been brought on to it since a long, long time now. It's, It's been difficult for people to also understand that it is a regular experience that a person is likely to have once or more in their lifetime. And hence, it pretty much needs the kind of sensitivity and understanding that maybe a physical illness would. So you wouldn't really look down upon someone who has fever and cannot come to work. But you would instantly have a lot of labels attached with someone who says they're feeling down and low and hence cannot come to work. Yes. Right. So that stigma, I feel, is is associated with the whole idea of it being a weakness, it being a problem, it being abnormal. And uh, it's, it's. I think hmm. that it's also because it's not very visible. Like you know, when somebody has a fever, you can touch their body True. and say, "Oh, you're hot. It's hot. You, you're not lying." But when I say I have anxiety or depression, you can't really prove it to people because there are no tests that to show that. Yes, so it is not visible. That is very, very fair and valid. And at the same time, for those of us who do have visible signs of a mental illness, let's say anxiety and depression can also have actual symptoms that can be seen. Uh, Even for that, we just seem to judge it as a bad thing. And hence, I think typically what you also will see from the elderly or the generations above us is is a lot of um, is a lot of dismissal. 
so very often people would say stuff like oh forget it it doesn't count it doesn't matter just deal with it just grow up just overcome yes uh, yeah. sleep it through eat it through go take a break now when we keep doing stuff like that we're dismissing the whole idea that this is a genuine problem that exists that needs some attention uh, and when we don't do that the problem only keeps increasing mm-hmm. right so i feel that honestly the two questions kind of go hand in hand but as long as we're not going to be able to address the stigma we are also not going to be able to visualize the whole idea of mental health being a genuine experience and a genuine concern that needs care exactly true plus i feel uh, speaking of the elders because they don't realize that it exists i think they felt like you know we grew up and nothing really happened to us true even if they did suffer with mental issues like anxiety or something they don't really acknowledge it because they didn't know it existed in the first place to acknowledge that this is happening to they just thought it's normal emotions yeah. so they kind of still go with it yeah and if they turned out fine why won't we correct and also i mean to be honest i would also be questioning the turned out fine bit <laughs> because we don't really know about that but you know how everything was um, you know crushed under the carpet everything was secret everything uh-huh. was behind closed doors so even when people did suffer and struggle they had to do it secretly and in silence so that yes. just adds to the whole idea and understanding of oh but you know this was never a problem before in fact very typically we have parents of clients who think of stuff like it's just because you studied too much english you watch too mm-hmm. much english content exactly, yes. yeah yes. you know because you see so much around you you just get these wrong ideas otherwise life was fine before no it's a very very common thing to hear because i've heard so many of my friends even i've personally heard it they, you know they say absurd things like oh this only happens to you when your phone is not around you ha or kidar se seekha did your friends teach you this hmm correct they blame it on things that exist now instead of you know acknowledging that it existed even back then right and the other i think uh, sort of a favorite uh, go to here for the elderly is also aajkal ki generation Uh-huh. which when typically is also true of every generation says it to the one after them so that's that's not too bad but the association of mental health concerns somehow coming in with the young adulthood or the adolescence and therefore also seeing it as i mean that's the whole misconceptualization that we're seeing that as a new problem that has suddenly started from somewhere yes when we are actually saying that we're just making things more visible that always anyway existed Mm. that's also i think where the stigma only further gets enhanced exactly true okay next question is how does one rise back from failure that is after hitting rock bottom um one of the most one of the most um i think the most direct thing here to say is resilience again the word is a heavy one in that sense the word is probably very easily casually used but at the same time it's also very important because all we're saying is resilience basically means your capacity to come back and still do what you need to do and your capacity to be able to deal with the failure or deal with something that wasn't that great so if we are able to remind ourselves that a failure failure is a verb like i failed at something we don't yes. have to make the failure a noun and a label mm-hmm. that's how we typically end up using it so if i'm saying it casually and i'm saying oh my god i feel like such a failure in life i have made that a noun in my head and called myself a failure yes but if i were to move that into an action terms and say damn it i feel like a failure for not having done this 
Mm-hmm. And I'm making it a little more realistic, relevant. And I'm also reminding myself at the same time that therefore I can always try again and do something about it if it didn't work out in the first time. Mm-hmm. That is one. The second thing I sometimes also feel is important for us to acknowledge that maybe we're trying too hard for the wrong things. Yes. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with reevaluating and shifting your goal if you are realizing again and again and again that something's not working out. but i feel like it's not really possible for people of my age in india because it's really really competitive and i think this question is mainly from the studying point of view you know when you're asked to maybe when you're asked to study for the engineering entrance and you really don't want to do engineering but there are parents who literally force their children into doing these things True. so they it's like not like they have any other way out even if they keep repeatedly failing at it at a point they're just like you know it just they think they are the failure instead of uh understanding that this was not what they want to do this is not meant true. for them at all true true which is true i mean and that is the sad space where probably a lot of intervention might not even work very well uh and that is also where we acknowledge how when your context itself is that difficult it is also very natural and understandable for you to have certain of those responses and feelings but then for you to take that active effort as an individual and keep doing the work that you need to in your own mind and create a difference between failure as an act as an experience versus a person that has failed 10 times but is yet not a failure on the whole of it mm-hmm. yes next question how can we refrain or avoid uh, addiction that is drugs alcohol etc when we are in the rough phase of life similarly how can we get rid of such existing addictions avoiding um i would feel if we are able to i mean a if i have an idea that i'm likely to be tempted and given to certain you know temptations and patterns then that's a that's an alert sign for me to for me to also then identify healthier alternatives beforehand a lot of times what can typically happen is is why i given to these unhealthy outcomes and i'm calling it unhealthy because it literally is unhealthy on the body and the mind but we end up giving into these unhealthy mechanisms is because we're not prepared and then it's too much of a distress and too much of you know an emotional hassle for you to then also think of things that make sense are appropriate etc etc so stuff that is more easily available also becomes stuff that is a go to for us now whether it's social media distraction whether it's a drug addiction whether it's going back into habits that you know are not very helpful to you etc so if we sometimes you know put in that additional effort of picking up an alternative an alternative could be something like having a friend that you know that can be a go to having a certain support system that can help you manage the emotions when you need that help it could be something like journaling where you're putting your ideas down you're putting your thoughts down and you're using something very actively to be in touch with your own thoughts and emotions mm-hmm. it could be uh, an actual hobby or an activity that is very engaging and connecting for you and if you train yourself a little to make this as your go to every time you feel stressed you feel upset you feel you know tired and any any of those things then it's easier for you to then keep avoiding something that you want to do 
And when it comes to um, the second bit was how do you get rid of such existing addictions? Well, yes. A, of course, uh, if it is something that is a clinical addiction, then you would definitely need help of a, a professional. It might be a combination of a psychiatrist as well as a, th- a therapist or a psychologist, or sometimes just therapy can be enough as well, or vice versa. Sometimes only psychiatric treatment is enough. But if it is not, um, if you're not looking at a clinical addiction, but if you're looking at, you know, how we, again, loosely sometimes say, I'm just so addicted to Instagram, stuff like that. Mm. Then I feel uh, bringing in the whole element of mindfulness is very, very helpful. If I am aware of what is it that is triggering me to reach out to something that is so easily available, but I don't want to keep reaching out to it. So being aware of my triggers, being aware of the frequency with which I do it, and then also probably being able to, again, uh, sort of tune yourself into alternatives that you feel are healthier for you. Mm. So it becomes a, a little bit of an active effort of undoing a habit and then putting in a new habit in place. Uh, do, do you think that people usually just resort to these, you know, drugs or alcohol because of the environment like what movies have been teaching us like when people are in pain they just go and they drink and forget all their worries and stuff like that yeah so i do feel the popular media has a very very huge role to play in the way it depicts certain the ease with which it depicts certain things to be you know helpful etc so that would be there it would also be something that uh, again i feel just the environment of not the popular media but people around you so if you have friends or if you have seen people resort to, you know, using a certain drug for relief, for stress busting, etc., then you're more prone to sort of give that a try and and then it grows on you. Then it's a vicious cycle. It's, it's, but the question is then about, you know, with the, did the egg come first or the chick come first? Mm. So then you never really know where the fine line got crossed. And then you get used to a certain habit as well. So what it's important to then understand that this is an association you created. The association didn't exist by itself. You, with your habit, told yourself that every time I smoke or every time I drink, I feel better. Mm-hmm. And hence, then that association converts into a habit and then an addiction. Okay. This, uh, the next question was, it's like a really, really heavy and elaborate question. So mm-hmm. I'll just read it. Sure, yeah. Since mental health wasn't really a thing in the past, our elders carry a lot of baggages or mental trauma and such trauma is probably carried through the generation above them as well. That mm-hmm. is transgenerational trauma. So uh, how do we approach our parents or those elder to us so as to advise them to address those issues or seek professional help? Mm-hmm. And since we live in India, doing the above is probably not possible or we are uncomfortable with the idea. In such cases, how do we ensure that we do not pass on this trauma to the generation after us? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely an interesting question. And like you said, loaded in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, transgenerational trauma is definitely a real concern and and. I mean, every culture has its own way of passing on trauma and passing on certain baggages. But I feel sometimes when you look at the Indian culture, it seems a lot more loaded, uh, given, you know, our patterns and conditioning. Um, approaching the parents, it's it's really, of course, to begin with, is very subjective. You would know your family the most and the best and, and you decide what works best. But if a direct confrontation works, then that is something you can prepare for. You can take a few days, you can think of the things that you would really want to highlight and talk about. 
and put those points down somewhere. I think we don't a lot of times take the effort of preparing these conversations enough. Mm-hmm. And if we end up rushing them or if we end up sort of emotionally, you know, sort of reacting to a certain situation and then you could have been thinking about this for two weeks, but have something happened today and then you just blurted things out. And that's more often than not only only backfires. The point in the conversation gets lost very quickly. So sometimes this preparation bit, especially if you're doing it with your own parents or your own family elderly, then that. A lot of times involving someone that they would trust is also a great idea. It could be a close friend. It could be one parent to the other. It could be maybe siblings if you have some and, you know, making it a plan together. It could be grandparents, anything. Of course, it depends on how open that person is as well. So uh, that is all very, very subjective. But I feel that that sort of a foil gives you a good backup to be able to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And one of the other strategies that also generally seems to work well is exposing them to certain content. You know, like yeah. suggesting a certain movie. Uh, I mean, on top of my head, I can think of, let's say, Dear Zindagi, the Shah Rukh Khan Alia Bhatt movie. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that comes very close to portraying what good therapy or, or reasonable therapy sessions look like and what mental health is about. So sometimes using these non-direct, non-threatening spaces of a movie or a show or a song or an article, and then starting a conversation through that is also easier because if the person is a little more receptive to listen to you. Mm. And then, you know, eventually going on to what you need to talk about. Mm. And a part of it, you know, how do we ensure that we do not Yeah, yeah. Um, Here I feel again, uh, I mean, this word in a way again is very, very popular, very easily used of late, but that's also very important is to be mindful. If as an adult or as an individual, today I'm being aware of certain patterns, certain habits, certain ideas, I do have a choice of whether I want to take them forward or not. A lot of us very easily get, especially with the youth, it's easier to sometimes get caught up with this whole pain of thinking that, but this is how it's always been. Mm. Right? And a lot of times you're also dealing with the pain of what you've been through. Mm. So a lot of passing the trauma on can also be you just coping with your pain. You're not actively passing it on, but you're yourself suffering, you're yourself in pain, you're yourself distressed. So if there's mindfulness to things in terms of why am I choosing to yell right now? Or why am I choosing to give someone a cold shoulder? Why am I giving someone the silent treatment? Why am I uh, feeling hurt with a certain interaction? Mm. If I'm more aware of that, then I'm also more in um, in control of how I react to it. Yes. And that then helps you change the cycle very gradually. So typically with mental health work that we do as therapists, a lot of our work is very well focused on, at least let's ensure that the new situations, you don't end up repeating the same things. Mm -hmm. And when you keep disengaging from the same, same habits and reactions, then you start making way for new reactions. So I might be used to, you know, I might be used to just yelling when someone talks to me loudly or talks to me in a manner that I don't like. But if I were to pause and check, why am I yelling? I might realize I'm yelling because that's what I've always seen is done uh, in the house. Yes. So if I were to stop today and say, do I need to yell? Not really. Can I do something else? Yes, I can. 
So if I do that, then I'm disengaging that one situation from my existing narrative. Mm-hmm. And then gradually, uh, slowly, the road changes. Sure. Okay, since we're talking about parents and ours and everything, the fact that, you know, the parents think that mental health is not as serious of an issue is because I have a feeling that their times, they at least till their times, they were taught to rely on religion or God for all your problems. Mm-hmm. So that is why the you know that is why they're more firm believers in God. If you see these days, mm-hmm. the number of atheists are increasing, and that's because they were always taught that every time you felt anxious or you felt like you're not in control of your life, you go to God and He's going to solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. Which is also probably by the reason that now if your child tells you that they're facing some kind of distress you take them to the mandir or to the church and then you believe that the priest there or god will solve all the that is true because again if you if you think of it like if you take a step back and think of it to build perspective um, you eventually need to rely on something outside of you when you are not able to do it yourself Yes. So now we're better, better able to understand that a professional who's trained to understand human psychology and has the tricks and tools to help you is, of, of course, more appropriate. Mm-hmm. But in that sense, faith can be equally strong too, if used in a reasonable, appropriate manner. But uh, how it has also been abused, of course, is that that's sort of the answer of all your questions, the answer to all your problems. And obviously, then there is a clash. Mm. so that is true also I think a lot of times um, how the youth or uh, you know the the adolescents the young adults and adults how people are viewing resilience and stress management now is very different from how it was seen earlier earlier there was it was it was seen as a virtue to bear the burden it was seen as a virtue to keep doing stuff even against your own wishes, to keep doing stuff even if it is painful, because that's how you prove you're a good person. Mm. But that narrative is changing as well. It's not anymore seen as a virtue. It is actually now seen as a virtue to be able to stand your ground, to set your boundaries, to be able to convey and express and say that this is painful for me and I don't wish to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a clash of uh, belief systems too. Yes. Mm, okay, next question. Uh, since most of our parents refuse to acknowledge mental illnesses, our friends have to resort to seeking professional help in secret. Mm-hmm. Being students, it's not possible for us to pay therapists like 1500 to 3000 mm-hmm. per hour. Mm-hmm. What are the other options available in such cases? So um, there are a good few portals and sources right now that are making <clears throat> that are making mental health help accessible at at much more reasonable rates. There are also I'll, I'll share the names in a bit. There are also a lot of practitioners who you know the whole Robin Hood concept of you have a practice that helps you earning the money that you need, and then you also you sort of take out some time to do some pro bono work for people who absolutely can't afford to pay. Yes. So you have a lot of practitioners who are engaging in that sort of work as well. So there is uh, the company that I work with, CureFit. Uh, like say for us, therapy uh, sessions per session range from somewhere around 650, 700 to 800. And the whole idea again is to have qualified professionals, but then make, because as a company, it is easier for someone to afford that subsidized uh, offering of services. Yes. There is uh, Old Story. 
uh, I think they're based out of Bangalore and Bombay both. Uh, they have a lot of so they have a range of professionals too they have people who are have just started out who are interning with them as well as people who are established in the field mm-hmm. and they have certain hours of the day available in a pay as you can format and then they have certain appointments that are available at their usual charges mm-hmm. there is your dost uh, again a very popular uh, portal they also function largely online uh, they are available for for uh, chat uh, help they are available for telehealth and they are available for video consultation um there is tis uh, the tata institute in bombay the tis has a helpline itself so they have i call uh, and i call is a counseling helpline so again for people to at least start out with these pro bono sessions initially and then maybe figure out a way in which they can do sustained therapy for longer Mm-hmm. Uh, these would be the good few names that stand out when it comes to being able to give subsidized help okay and then like i said uh, checking with practitioners for pro bono help there are a lot of network groups in across all the cities in india right now so even if you reach out to a couple of people people network internally on whatsapp and telegram groups and you eventually end up having the references of people who would help without fees yes uh okay and how long is like the ideal time for you know therapy like you know how many sessions before it will actually start helping you because that also depends because if i can afford it should be also about how many sessions i can afford right? mm-hmm. agree so i think a lot of times again in india we're not uh, our practice and our approach to uh, healthcare professionals is very godlike we are very conditioned to treat professionals as gods professionals as these big people in a hierarchy right mm-hmm. so in that sense a lot of times what people don't understand or realize is that you can actually discuss this with your therapist right at the start and tell them that maybe i can afford the fees that you have maybe i can afford only five sessions with you oh can we please ensure that you know you you help me work on these particular few things in the five sessions Mm. and it's it's good to have that sort of a conversation because the therapist then has clarity of the amount of work they need to do with you you and the therapist have the clarity right at the start that some of it is achievable in five sessions and maybe some of it is not mm. instead of you going through a few sessions and then feeling that you know that set of disappointment that oh but look but we could have done so much more sort of a thing but typically you would see three to five sessions being a good average for things to kick in for things to be more clear and for changes to be visible mm. then, and then three to five sessions of like an hour 15 minutes most uh, practitioners have a 45 to 50 minute uh, slot uh, but yeah if they can go up to an hour now and then okay okay how does one help their friends other girlfriend or boyfriend with their mental health issues without draining oneself <laughs> um of course i mean goes without saying that if professional help is possible uh, logistically practically then that becomes the best outlet because it becomes a little unfair sometimes for you and the relationship to play multiple roles uh, especially because you would have your own mental health needs as well uh, while that is not always possible for everyone it's we can help with resources that's that's the first space to start with so again videos articles um podcasts there's there's so much content available in terms of the audio format now as well if if you can just even help the person identify the relevant stuff that they can use to feel a little better and use to help themselves 
then that is helping the person as well as not straining your relationship or you entirely. Uh, again, um, helping the person talk. Uh, sometimes being a good listener is, uh, we sort of undervalue the whole impact of being good listeners. Mm-hmm. We want to jump to problem solving. We want to jump into helping someone. We want to jump into, yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. It happened with me as well. You know, let me tell you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, and this is of course from all my therapeutic experience, that so many people know what to do. They have their own answers, but they probably don't have someone to listen to them and validate what they're going through. Mm-hmm. instead of rushing in and saying that okay let's solve that if you were to take a moment of pause and validate and say oh my god that must be so tough yes. that validation actually goes a long way mm-hmm. so what to do once you actually start feeling drained out like maybe the person's not getting any better and now it's actually affecting you as well mm-hmm. and you're starting to feel so drained and tired of listening to their problems or sure. wanting to help yeah, so one of course is to be for you to identify your own boundary emotionally, uh, knowing because it's it's unfair because if you keep getting into the same space repeatedly across your relationships, uh, then you're not able to understand when you need to stop for your own sake. So that is one for you to be mindful. Two, I think what can also help is active self-care. We don't only have to respond to our health when it goes down. We can also work on our well-being by doing self-care activities even when we're not going down yet. Mm. So it could be exercise, it could be writing, it could be music, um, it could be you know being close to nature, taking walks, it could be uh, physical activities of various kinds, painting, doodling, uh, games, all of that. So if you have a way in which you keep adding to your own well-being and self-care, then it's also easier for you to sort of maintain your balance a little better, even in the face of someone who's feeling challenged. Mm-hmm. Sure. Also, I've seen many situations where, you know, this, this is happening, that they're starting to feel drained out by other people's problems, but they're afraid to withdraw themselves from the situation because they're so worried about what will be the repercussions and like what will happen. What if, what if he or she does something? I can't just leave him or her alone. Mm-hmm. So that I feel that is so, so bad because you are also like these, you can clearly see that the one who's trying to help is also reaching a point where they might require urgent help, but mm-hmm. they're just so scared to withdraw because they're afraid of what would happen to the person they were trying to help. True, 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 true. It, again, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope in my understanding because, I mean, it's easy to say that, you know, set your boundaries and back off but you can't afford to do that in all your relationships so there might be relationships that are very important to you that maybe you don't have a choice to back off you need to be there etc etc and hence the draining where I feel that for you to then identify your own mental health needs and address them becomes relevant you can't just keep prioritizing the other person's uh, needs and then there are also a set of relationships and, and friendships and all of those where it may be possible for you to rethink what is okay for you and what is not. Mm-hmm. Because if I am constantly saying, I mean, the simplest of examples, if you're on the flight, they always ask you to make sure that it's your oxygen mask that you put on before anyone else's. Yes, yes. That's pretty much what we need to be doing with mental health needs as well. If I am constantly draining out in order to be that nice person who's there for the other person, 
then i am doing injustice to myself and well i'm clearly not even really available for the other person because i'm drained Mm-hmm. so hence that it might sometimes cause delays it might cause inconvenience to the other person it might lead to a judgment of you not caring enough etc but we have to somewhere work towards uh, learning to tolerate that discomfort that i might be seen as someone that i'm not but i really need the next few days to take care of myself yes so sometimes it's a mutually exclusive question you can't always have both ends of the spectrum together okay that that's all the, i mean those were the questions i had anything mm-hmm. else you'd like to add or share with the listeners um i guess if as much as possible at least you know for people that are listening to this and for people that are thinking of help themselves um it's important to break the stigma in action a lot of us uh, a lot of us become those uh, armchair intellectuals where we might talk about stigma and mental health but if it comes to us seeking help we might still have a lot of hesitation mm-hmm. so you know sort of knowing when you need help knowing when you need to slow down and knowing when you need to take care of yourself is very important so shama ma'am thank you so much for doing this and i'm i'm pretty sure it helped a lot of people because sometimes you don't realize you need help unless you know you see some signs around and maybe True. the solutions to these little questions will help somebody and get the help they require hopefully so, yes thank you so much thank you okay